The following podcast contains explicit content and is not suitable for all listeners. On March 20, 2020, the remaining four men convicted of the 2012 gang rape and murder of 23-year-old Jodi Singh were hanged in India as punishment for their crimes. This is her story. I would like to apologize in advance for any mispronunciations of names or places in this story. I have done my best to find the correct pronunciations, but if I do make an error, it is in no way intended to disrespect this case. Sexual violence is defined as any sexual act, attempt to obtain a sexual act, unwanted sexual comments or advances, or acts to traffic or otherwise directed against a person's sexuality using coercions by any person, regardless of their relationship to the victim, in any setting, including but not limited to home and work. Jyoti Singh was born in 1989 in Balia, Uttar Pradesh, India, to parents Badranath Singh and Asha Devi. She was the oldest of three children, having two brothers, Gaurav and Saurav, aged 20 and 15 respectively at the time. The family lost their first child, a son, shortly after being born. Jyoti was born premature and was put into intensive care for her first month, fighting for her life. She eventually stabilized and by all accounts had a loving upbringing, with her family finally setting in Dwarka, South Delhi, which is about five hours west of Balia. Her father worked as a baggage handler at the Delhi airport, working shift work. Her mother appeared to stay home caring for the family, although that information was harder to come by. Jyoti dreamed of becoming a doctor and had large aspirations of helping to provide for her family. Unfortunately, the family's financial situation meant she was unable to go to medical school, and instead she began studying to become a physiotherapist. She was enrolled at a college in Dehradun, India, located about four to five hours north of South Delhi. According to her mother, Jyoti had traveled home to South Delhi to look for an internship, so I assume she was staying on campus or living nearby in Dehradun. On the evening of Sunday, December 16, 2012, at about 5.45 p.m., Jyoti said goodbye to her mother and set off to the cinema to see the movie Life of Pi at the Select City Mall in Saket, which is located about 24 kilometers or 30 minutes west of the family home. She had been wanting to see the film for quite some time and being a busy working student needed to relax and have a fun night out with a friend. That friend was Anindra Pende, a 28-year-old IT specialist whom Jyoti met through a friend while working part-time at a call center in the city to help pay for school. Although they did not discuss marriage, the two had become quite close and spoke often on the phone with her family describing him as a nice boy. The night wore on and as her mother made dinner for her two sons and waited for her husband to return home from work at 10.30pm, Asha began to worry. 
growing increasingly frantic after trying Jyoti's phone numerous times. She became certain something had happened to her daughter, but nothing could prepare her for the horror that was about to become her reality. I'd like to take this moment to thank you for listening to my new podcast. The concept behind femicide is very close to my heart, and I hope through these stories we can shed a light on the abuse, violence, and sexual assault that women face daily. Please subscribe to my podcast and leave a review, as it really helps to bring awareness to these stories. Earlier in the evening of December 16th in the slum of Rabidasa in South Delhi, which is located about five kilometers west from the Select City Mall, a group of rowdy young men are driving around in a bus with blacked-out windows, looking for something to do for the evening. The men on this bus are Ram Singh, age 34, his younger brother Mukesh, age 26, their friends Akshay Thakur, age 28, Pawan Gupta, age 19, Vinay Sharma, age 20, and Raju, age 17, whose name has been changed as he was a minor. Ram Singh, widely thought to be the ringleader, was a widower and worked as a bus driver, primarily transporting school children. His younger brother Mukesh, who would act as the driver on this evening, worked as a taxi driver, but not steadily, and the two shared a one-bedroom apartment. It is reported that the brothers were well-known in their neighborhood for their unruly and often violent behavior. The friends they met with first that evening, Akshay and Raju, worked intermittently as assistants on the bus with Ram. The four men began drinking together for about three hours, and around 8 p.m., Ram received a phone call from the bus's owner asking to pick him up a cylinder of cooking gas. Ram reportedly told his friends, quote, let's go and have some fun, end quote. And the men set off in the bus, picking up the remaining two men, Pawan, who worked as a fruit seller, and Vinay, who was a cleaner and gym instructor. The men were looking for trouble. This wasn't them wanting to go out for a drive and hang out. They were menacing individuals and wanted to find people to rob and fight. They managed to get a man, whose name is not known, to board the bus. He paid a fare and soon after was beaten and robbed. They stole his phone and 1,400 rupee, which is the equivalent of $26 Canadian. He was then thrown from the bus. Unfortunately, the man did not report the incident to police. At around 9 p.m., Jyoti and Anindra were leaving the cinema and looking for a way home. Remember, they are about 30 minutes away and there are no buses running. They tried hailing taxis or rickshaws, but no one wanted to take them that far of a distance. So the pair decided to take a rickshaw to an unfamiliar area two kilometers away in hopes of catching a different bus home. Standing on the side of the road, the bus with blacked out windows, driven by Mukesh, pulled up beside them. Raju leaned out the open door and asked if the two wanted a ride, and the pair boarded the bus, paying 20 rupee each, or the equivalent of 40 cents Canadian. What happened next can only be described as pure evil. Ram began to taunt the couple and insult Anindra, and within a few minutes he threw a punch and a fight broke out. 
Anindra was able to fight off his attackers until one grabbed a metal bar and began beating him. He collapsed to the floor, unable to move. The men then stripped him of his clothing. He lay there, covered in blood and helpless, but alert and conscious, while Jodi began banging on the bus windows, screaming for help. Two of the men then dragged her to the back of the bus and began beating her with the same metal rod used on Anindra. This is when, one by one, each of the men took turns raping Jodi. She was petite and outnumbered, but she was a fighter, and the young woman screamed, clawed, and bit the men as they continued their attack. After the attack was over, the men threw the naked and bleeding couple out of the bus as though disposing of garbage, and then proceeded to attempt to run them over before driving off, but thankfully Anindra was able to pull them to safety. Their ordeal was not yet over, and for over 40 minutes the pair tried in vain to get help, with cars, bikes, and pedestrians slowing down to see and then fleeing the scene. A small group of people began surrounding the pair, with still no one offering any assistance whatsoever. At last, someone called the police, and upon their arrival, the police used even more precious time to argue over which station would claim the case. It seemed no one wanted to be responsible for the couple. They were finally brought to Sifarjung Hospital in Delhi, where Anindra was treated for a broken right leg and also suffered significant injuries to his back. After the attack, he was unable to move his arms for a month and struggled to sit or walk for long periods of time. Jyoti's injuries were much more severe. Besides the horrific beating and rapes, the men also used the metal rod to sexually assault Jodi, which severely damaged her internal organs. She had lost a substantial amount of blood in the time it took her to get to the hospital, and infection had already set in. She was rushed into surgery, but the surgeons were in a losing battle, desperately trying to remove damaged tissue to prevent further spread of the infection. Parts of her intestines were removed but there was considerable damage to her intestines, abdomen, and genitals. The doctors did not think Jodi would live more than a few hours. Remember, Jodi was a fighter. She had fought as a baby in the ICU, and she would fight as long as she could now. She was determined not to let her attackers go free. The bravery she had during this time to tell her story and push through the undeniable pain she was enduring so that she could see those men brought to justice. There are no words. At 1 a.m. the next morning, with her mother by her side, she told the police the gruesome details of what had happened to her. She was later put on a ventilator and feeding tube and remained in intensive care. She continued fighting for her life, and five days after the attack, wrote to her mother, quote, I want to live, I want to survive, and stay with you all, end quote. Sadly, nine days later, on December 26th, her condition worsened, and it was decided she would be transported to Mount Elizabeth Hospital in Singapore. There are conflicting reports of whether it was prior to or during the flight but at some point, Jody suffered a heart attack, and it is reported she never regained consciousness. 
Two days later, on December 28th, it was announced that Jody was suffering from brain damage, pneumonia, and severe infection. And sadly, the next day, on December 29th at 4.45 a.m., Jody Singh passed away at the age of 23 from her injuries. Her body was returned to India and she was cremated in Dwarka according to Hindu rites. Her father then scattered her ashes along the river Ganga, which is a sacred and worshipped river to Hindus that runs 2,525 kilometers from the western Himalayans flowing through southeast India and Bangladesh. Remarkably, Jodi was able to see her attackers brought into custody. Public outcry was immediate and protests, marches, demonstrations, and vigils took place all over India, with Jyoti being referred to as India's daughter and Nirbhaya, meaning fearless, as rape victims' names were withheld from the public. Everyone from the Prime Minister of India to celebrities to senior members of society spoke out in support of Jyoti and the changes that needed to happen within the country. Her family eventually released her name, stating that she should not be ashamed of what happened to her, as it was not her fault. Within 24 hours, CCTV footage was found with Ram Singh being spotted as the driver, and he was apprehended in the same bus the attack took place. Using descriptions provided by Anindra and text records from their stolen phones, the other men were all soon caught. Their blood-soaked clothing and the metal rod was also discovered, although it is not discussed where these items were found. Jyoti's bite marks were also found on the men's bodies, proving beyond a shadow of a doubt these were the men who had done this to her. On December 20th, Anindra visited with Jyoti, and although she could not speak, she was glad when he told her the men had been captured. Since the attack, Anindra has tried to continue on with his life, but thinks of Jody every day. He began working with a women's charity that provides free health checkups to women and a call center for women suffering violence and abuse. The charity also runs workshops where men and women are taught about women's rights. In an interview, he stated, quote, I am slowly getting my life back, but I have completely lost the meaning of the word normal. I used to get irritated by trivial things, and I was quite a short-tempered person, but now I am no longer like that. Nothing can ever upset me more than what happened that night, end quote. He also expressed the underlying issue of rape culture in India and the dishonor that it can bring to a family and how unacceptable it can be to have survived a rape. He said, quote, Tragically, rape affects the honor of a family and the girl in India. If one is murdered, that is acceptable, but a rape survivor is not accepted. This has to change. We have to bring about radical changes. Jodi was such a gentle soul, and I miss her every day. The best and only tribute to her is to ensure no one suffers like her again in India, and to make every effort to stamp out rape, end quote. Her story highlighted the crisis plaguing India, and while she was unfortunately not the last woman to be gang-raped, she brought the concern for women's safety in India to the forefront of not only the country, but worldwide, as her story was published internationally. 
As a result, the government took action and a committee was developed to address public concern and change the laws surrounding the prosecution of sex offenders. In fact, a report was filed that stated the failures on part of the police and the government were found responsible as the root cause of crimes against women. As such, new laws were passed in the Criminal Law Amendment Ordinance 2013, and six new courts were created to expedite criminal proceedings for rape cases. Although many still argue the justice system is slow to prosecute, there is no denying Jody's story brought in a new age of women who are not as afraid to report their own sexual assaults and encouraged a much-needed discussion about crimes against women. Ram Singh was found dead in his cell at Tahar Jail from apparent suicide on March 11, 2013. Raju, who was a minor at the time, was given the maximum allowed for a juvenile, which was just three years in an institution for reform. He was released in 2015 and is reported to be living under a new identity. The remaining four men, Mukesh Singh, Akshay Thakur, Pawan Gupta, and Vinay Sharma, were convicted in a fast-tracked trial on September 10, 2013, of rape and murder, and were sentenced to death by hanging. The men attempted to stall the judicial process by filing their appeals in stages so that their executions would be postponed. But on December 18, 2019, their final appeals were rejected by the Supreme Court of India and death warrants were issued. On January 17, 2020, the final mercy pleas were also rejected and another death warrant was issued, stating the men were to be hanged on February 1st at 6 a.m. The men were ultimately hanged on March 20, 2020 at Tahar Jail in New Delhi and pronounced dead at 6 a.m. A documentary entitled India's Daughter was released in 2015 and aired on BBC and Netflix, although it is not currently available on Canadian Netflix. Her family has created the Nirbhaya Jyoti Trust in Jyoti's honor to help victims of sexual violence. I will link their website in the show notes. Rape is the fourth most common crime against women in India. In the U.S., 91% of the victims of rape and sexual assault are female. It is estimated that one in five women will be raped at some point in their lives. My thoughts on Jodi's story are that of sadness at the bright, intelligent, and beautiful young woman whose life was so brutally and tragically taken by six men who viewed her as less than nothing. The only positive outcome being the discussion her attack and death brought into mainstream media and society as a whole, especially in India. In my research, I found, quote, reasons why men would rape and the concept of it being due to a lack of control in their lives, loss of their manhood, quote, through poverty or insufficient income, the end of a relationship or divorce, poor self-esteem, and inebriation. These men, in some degree, all experienced a combination of those factors. But, in my opinion, 
While that might be accurate statistics they've discovered, it does not condone nor excuse the act of rape and brings about further discussions of excusing the behavior of men as, quote, boys will be boys, and the fragility of the male ego. These topics will be further discussed as we explore more cases and bring to light more of these tragic stories. Thank you for listening to the story of Jody Singh. I'm your host, Sean Marie. Join me next time for a new story.